2: good morning and good afternoon to our merry marvelites welcome to another installment of marvel movie talk right here on geekscape very excited to be joined by nate miller nate thanks for being with us this week Uh, and uh, uh yeah and uh looking forward to breaking down episode three of secret invasion and uh we do talk about spoilers on this show so in case you're just stumbling across us uh, know that uh, we're going to talk about everything, but there's not really a ton to spoil. Uh, see, Definitely, as I said last week, uh, sometimes you feel like creators are from the M. Night Shyamalan school of like, does it really rem- matter unless we have a big reveal at the end? So uh, we'll talk a lot about it. Um, Nate, you uh, were not with us last week, so I want to get a quick catch up on your thoughts on episode two uh there's something specifically i want to uh, talk to you about but how did you feel that we progressed from week one to week two uh last week
1: um it was okay it felt a little bit better a little more focused there was a little more kind of a plot development um but still overall my feelings are kind of the same It's, it's it's just kind of mid it's not it's not bad it's not really good it's just Just kind of is. I will say, I I really am enjoying... The more I see Gravik on screen, I am really enjoying him. Um, His performance is really good. So that has been a big highlight for me. And I did like the roadie Nick Fury kind of back and forth from last episode. That was cool, too.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to ask uh, how you thought about that. I think uh, it it was good to finally get these characters together. And I think that we with the help of the chat, we felt like there had never been at least significant interaction between Rhodey and Fury before. It doesn't mean that they were never in the same scene. doesn't mean they never talked to each other, but anything consequential like that, uh, you know, we definitely hadn't gotten before. You know, two great actors that people have enjoyed outside of the MCU, but getting to really see those characters. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the things I was wondering how you felt about that. Um, we had a theory that that Rody could very well be a Skrull. Now, oh, do yeah. you feel Absolutely. like that? Yeah. yeah, I think that the way that, the way that he handled the entire thing, I'm like, because there are things that didn't feel like they meshed. You know, I feel like in the in the first episode we only saw Rody for a moment. I feel like that was Rody. but then I feel like the meeting with Fury in episode two that was a squirrel. So uh, that's doesn't, doesn't seem they're like that to be
1: revolutionary. I'm sorry. What was that? I think they are both the scroll. I think they replaced him earlier on.
2: Uh, okay. So even before the
1: series. Yeah, that's true. That could work as, as well.
2: Uh, yeah. And I mean, he having that high leverage position as an advisor to the president, uh, you know, not to mention, uh, you know, a whole vault of uh, Stark armor that, uh, you know, he can put on at any time. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, that that's probably the big play left in the series. So here we are, three episodes in. We're halfway done with the series, and my problem continues to really just be kind of the pacing. It's uh, sometimes uh, MCU feels like checkers, and it moves pretty fast, but uh, this is a really long, drawn-out chess game, and I almost wonder if they told the same story in a movie. One, they'd have more more money. Two, it would have to just move so much faster than this. I think some stories lend themselves to, like... A good example would be uh, uh, in the Star Wars universe, Andor is a story they never would have told in a movie. Uh, but having the time to sort of deliberately tell a story that was a little slow to start but really picked up, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for here for this story. I think I, I continue to like... The cast i like some of the interactions of the characters um still not sure why shooter mcgavin is from uh, happy gilmore is uh you know i mean he's clearly like a, a like a tucker carlson bill o'reilly type we get who yeah. he is but it's like there's like two episodes now where we've seen him and he hasn't he hasn't talked he was on the tv you know, the uh, fury was watching him, but he hasn't really interacted with anyone. So I'm like, all right, I guess there's a reveal yet to come uh, with that. But uh, how did you feel uh, in terms of uh, moving the story along here in episode three? Nate?
1: Um, I mean, I think this episode was was much better in terms of like uh, character progression and um, for like Talos and Gravik and like seeing more yeah. of their backstories and their interactions with each other and stuff. Um but as far as plot wise it feels like nothing that much like really happened. Like I guess they stopped that attack but like the whole thing was just like a ruse to try to to fish out the mole. So yeah. I, I I don't know. Like I with only three episodes left I'm just really wondering like what is there just isn't a clear like what are we doing here you know like obviously they want to stop Gravik but like we don't really have a clear idea of like what his plan is or like who is going to stop him other than like Nick Fury and we don't know how he's going to do that yeah. so I don't know just feels like there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen at least in these next two episodes to make a finale feel you know good and earned um but if it continues this pace, I'm expecting a full on like, oh, yeah, this whole series is actually just a lead up to a movie. And we're just giving you groundwork for you have to see the movie to see the conclusion.
2: Right. Uh, how a lot of times there'll be the uh, the comic book tie in into a movie that's really just a prequel to everything that happens. It's like, well, we're setting it up and you can still enjoy the movie without this. But uh, here's a little bit of uh, background Uh, i wanted to uh share a couple comments from the chat daniel drew even though stuff happened this ep and that big thing at the end not a lot happened and this is halfway through the season that's sort of what we're talking about you know it's sort of like we're taking stock we are halfway done and it's not that hard to recap everything that happened uh what nate was talking about the i I think that stopping the missile strike was significant because it's like if they're in the first three episodes there's two attacks that they're aware of ahead of time and they're not able to stop either of them. I'm just like, okay, so clearly fury has lost <laughs> has lost his game, you know, and uh you know, I think that uh it was it it was i mean, I don't know it would have advanced the story i guess uh, at a at a certain point, but at the same time, it's like it's good to see that the counterintelligence that we've established in the MCU is still able to prevent things uh, once in a while. Uh, Cami Egan, I thought this episode was slightly better than the last two. I was glad Amelia Clark had a bit more to do this episode. She still seems like an unnecessary character. Well, Gravit clearly thought so. That's why he shot her. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, she doesn't really add that much. I, I feel like, Obviously, Talos has, uh, you know, he's very protective of his daughter and for Gravik to sort of use that in the, you know, the conversation they had, uh, you know, that that definitely raised the stakes on a personal level. But, yeah, I continue to be underwhelmed by her character, who I'm just going to assume is not dead, by the way. She got like one shot in the gut and you don't cast an actress from game of Thrones so that she can get shot halfway through a series or, you know, killed halfway through. She got shot. So, uh, what did you think? Uh, brings up an interesting point. Uh, do you feel like we got more out of Amelia Clark?
1: Uh, a little bit. Um, I feel like that, like the character, I understand the function is like Talos from the movie is like our liaison with Nick. Right. And so he needs some type of, emotional attachment to the situation outside of just like it's a scroll situation so i understand the inclusion of gaia especially with her being in the movie before like it makes sense Um, but i do feel like if it if they didn't cast amelia clark in that role that it would have been a much smaller part i think they added some extra stuff um, to give her kind of more padding for a character that doesn't really have I'm just very confused like she so now she's like full-on double agent with him like was she that before was she just pretending that she switched sides like their confrontation in the sewer was also really confusing too. like so I'm not sure I I don't know I mean it was nice to see more of her um, and to see her actually kind of do something that advances the plot. Um there's no way that she's dead like that would be
2: right would be it's almost like if they had uh, you know cast of an, an unknown actress you might consider the fact that she might be dead but it's almost like you know you're watching an old episode of law and order and a decent sized star is in like the first 5 minutes and you go like well i bet we're not done seeing that person who seemed to have an ironclad alibi you know so yeah i expect that uh, she's here so that we can get more of her but i had the same thought that you did Nate in terms of like hey i need this piece of information and she's like i'm going to go get it it's like at the point where she's like going to leave afterwards but I didn't feel like we were building towards that with her character. You know, I didn't feel like she was about to leave. I, I My understanding was she felt like there was more good she could be doing being on the inside, you know, and right. uh, to rush downstairs. I mean, obviously, you, you wanted to stop the attack, which, uh, you know, the the code word uh, being the one word that I would have guessed uh, the name of his son is <laughs> just like, okay, hey, why don't they try that? Why don't they try the name of the kid? <laughs> so so
1: was the kid a scroll too? I thought it, he was, but why did the scroll dad care about like, was that, was he just acting? He was like, oh, they don't know I'm a scroll. So I'm going to pretend like I really care about that. Doesn't make sense. Cause he caught Talos. So like, yeah. And the guards were scrolls too. That part was very confusing
2: yeah no i i agree and i, I assume when talus walks past the kid and doesn't do anything that uh, all right well he's probably going to regret that but he doesn't reveal himself to be a squirrel at any point so uh why yeah but i mean i guess maybe the question is how long has this squirrel been living as this human has he been living as this human for 20 30 years and then you know this is technically still his child but I agree. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of times they have plenty of time in this series, and then there's there's always occasions where we could probably use a little bit more uh, explanation, a little bit more exposition. Like going back to last week's episode, the fact that Rhodey says, uh, "Well, I'm going to take you in," and then Fury gets away in what seems like some kind of altercation. But they decided to not show it to us. Yeah. So, uh, I you know, and I I think that uh, there are times like this where it's like, I mean, somebody somebody read this. Somebody's doing continuity. Somebody realizes, hey, we're not really getting the explanation we need here. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I think that uh, we we could have used a little bit more. Uh, I agree with you on that, but. Uh, the uh, the big the big sit down between uh, Talos and uh, Gravik I think was good interaction between the two of them and again though it's an example of how this show just continues to feel really small i mean so they're in and they're in a museum they're in an art gallery and then it's like <laughs> then we're going to go sit in the cafe and it's like a lot of these sit-downs happen in restaurants or train cars like the 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 big character moments are all ha- happening in smaller places they're not happening outside and uh it uh, it just comes back around. I was on a text chain about this show uh, with with some of our friends from Geekscape actually, and it just always feels small. I mean, they had a big explosion at the end of the first episode, even that felt small. You know, the yeah. most significant thing that's happened in this show is that they killed Maria Hill. You know, so that's the consequence that we've gotten from this show. Everything else seems. Uh, not insignificant, but it's all ancillary. It's like, I, I agree that this feels like they're just built. Even if they close the book on the secret invasion story, it's going to set up some other, you know, scroll war or, you know, a new Crease Scroll war or something that uh, will happen on the big screen. And uh, did, uh, did you continue to get the same kind of feelings as I did throughout this episode, Nate, that, uh, you know, there's, there's edicts on how much this show can cost and uh, they're striving to come in under budget as opposed to going over it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was like that so far, I think that's probably my favorite scene. Um, You know, two great actors and you kind of actually get some of the gravity of like the history that they have for each other and stuff. And one of them is like a, you know, a young uh, uh, upset, angry, uh, you know rebel soldier guy and then the other one is a older like experienced kind of jaded general guy and that was really cool but the whole time i couldn't help thinking like if this was in the comic they would both be in their scroll forms right now and like having that discussion and and then and and i'm like okay well they're in public so you know they gotta and then all of a sudden no actually they're all surrounded by in the fight club moment of like, no, we are everywhere. Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Well then why aren't you all just being green then? Like, I know it's a budget thing, but you're talking about scroll issues and like all this like heavy, like, Oh, we want to live here and the humans are terrible, but also we all just want to look human and act human all the time. Like, at what, like, at what point is there even a reason to take over the planet if you're already all living there and you're already all in positions of power and you're already past like looking like everyone else? like for what? For why? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously,
2: it, it, that's a great way to characterize it it's the fight club moment but it's important to remind everyone that the first rule of Squirrel club is that we don't talk about Squirrel club and uh i keep getting thrown off by the actor who plays gravic because his name is kingsley ben and it just won't stick in my mind because if you put the words kingsley and ben together i think of gandhi or the Mandarin, yeah. I suppose as well, yeah. <laughs> but for, for, you know, for in terms of, uh, you know, his most consequential roles. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I personally, I don't think I've seen him in anything, but he's great. And, uh, I'm glad that he's getting, uh, a lot of time to shine in this role as Gravic, who feels like will be a character that, uh, you know, will translate to the big screen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you could have had like a different dynamic if this was, you know, Talos's son who started the the uh, rebellion instead of his, well, literally rebellious teenage daughter who stormed off at some point. Uh, no, maybe she was in her twenties, but you know. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, I like these scenes, but I feel like this show feels small, and I've said this in in our past recaps here that the earlier Marvel shows didn't really feel small like this. I mean, the one to compare this to the, that makes the most sense is Falcon and winter soldier. And I just didn't feel like that, that show felt small. I mean, especially some of the sequences in the first episode, but they had some fairly exotic locations and, you know, you didn't feel like they were cutting corners. This one, as I've said, you can see all the corners that were cut throughout the course of uh this show. Uh but, you know, look, maybe they're uh saving some of that some of those funds towards the epic finale that we're uh, really hoping for. Um I want to talk about uh, the character of well basically Fury's wife and uh, our friend Eric who may or may not be able to join us today. He really felt like the he messaged me after he watched it he felt like this episode so the way she was in the second episode it was like oh hi honey i'm home oh here you are again and then in this episode she's like very angry that it's like you know you've been gone for so long you know and it seemed a little bit inconsistent from the two of the you know and granted it's a very small reveal at the end of episode two but it almost feels like you know they changed uh, showrunners uh, mid season, which they did not. Uh, this isn't Hawkeye. This isn't one of the shows where they did that. But uh, she did feel uh, a little bit different uh, in the course of you know telling her story and setting up what we you know learn in the end. How did you feel uh, the the sort of the arc that we've gotten for the, that character thus far, Nate?
1: Uh, that's interesting that he said that because I anger is not really something I picked up on there. I, I, I felt more like, um, I don't know, just kind of resolute in the, this idea that she's known Nick for years and they're married, and even before that they worked together and Shield as you know part of his secret spy network thing. So I feel like it, it, she is not surprised that he you know is did not come back. Like she's definitely hurt from it, but I, I feel like she. You know, after going through what she talked about of like thinking he's dead and then the blip coming back and then living with that realization of like, oh, no, he's just not coming back because he's doing Nick Fury things like she didn't seem happy about it. But I didn't feel like the tone changed that much. Like it, it felt like she was still excited to see him, but just, you know, also understanding that like, all right, well, if you're here, you must want something because that you're Nick Fury and you don't, you know, just hang out with people. You you use people to get stuff done. Right. And I mean,
2: the, you know, she sort of alludes to it when she's speaking to him and then we sort of uh, see in the end that uh, she has definitely moved on because, you know, she's asking to speak to Gravick, uh, but uh, she's not going to get to. And uh, I, I, I feel like there's other places to keep a gun than a, uh, than a, a safety deposit box that requires two keys. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what country that is. I guess if it's in the UK, I think you it's can't. It's not in America,
1: ahead. that's for sure. Yeah.
2: It's definitely not America. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the fact that there's a gun in there, I'm like, okay, that's like I was trying to think of like, you know, before she opened it, I'm like, what could be in there? Hey, could it be one of those uh one of those uh, 90s pagers that calls Captain Marvel? And I was like, that's unlikely because I feel like we would know if Brie Larson was in this show. Although, I mm-hmm. guess technically we didn't know she was in Ms. Marvel. It just seemed to make sense that she showed up at the end, but in any case, uh, so we get this gun and I mean, are we going to assume that she's supposed to kill fury or is she supposed to carry something out? What did, uh, what did, what did, where did your brain go when we got that reveal, Nate?
1: I assume that she, well, first it was like, oh, okay, he was mm-hmm. right. She mm-hmm. is in fact working with Gravik. Um, and then, I mean, I, I didn't really even think about it more than that, yeah. but, um, if I had to guess, I would assume that she's going to be tasked to, like, kill Nick, because she obviously could get closer to him than, you know, most other people can.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, that seems to be the uh, the most likely uh, result there.
1: This is, I think, one of the headaches, though, that comes with an espionage story where you have an infinite amount of characters that can become other people. Because why? If the point is to get her to get close to him, like, why not have literally any other scroll? Why not Gravik? Why why not Gravik himself turn into her and then kill him? Like, there's so many things that don't make sense in the full context of anybody could be anybody. Like, they pick and choose where they want to use that. But there's just, and, and there's also, do. I feel like they implied before that scrolls can tell other scrolls when they're shapeshift. But then also with that scene from this episode where Gaia, you know, changes to the old man and then drops the phone and then does the switch back and he's like following her back and then he sees her like standing outside the car and sees the guy and like we all know obviously like she did the shapeshifty thing, but he's like, hmm, that's a little weird. Like, so can he not tell then? Is it not a like a hundred percent thing? I- I'm very fuzzy about that part. He-
2: yeah, I mean the uh, the the ground rules have uh, not been laid down appropriately, and it's almost like, you know, oh, do squirrels have a, a scent that uh, only other squirrels can pick up? So you kind of know. Uh, but also in, in terms of uh, Talos, if they can shape shift into anything, of course, any squirrel could assume Talos's human form, and that would also be a very convenient way to kill Nick Fury. You know, yeah. I mean. It's, you know, doesn't matter what the situation is. doesn't matter where he is. I think if his, if his wife shows up somewhere, then, uh, he's going to maybe think that something suspicious is happening, but, uh, you know, like if, if that hadn't actually been Talos in, in, in that pub eating that, uh, well, I guess that was a British breakfast <laughs> and, uh, that uh, Fury commented on, you know, that would have been a, an easy time to, uh to get rid of him. But yeah, I think that the, the rules for shape shifting are uh, not spelled out very well. And uh, there's a lot of things that are just convenient for storytelling. It's like, well, we're going to have to wait until his wife tries to kill him. And, you know, I mean, yes, if he's interacting with a squirrel, that's not Talos. He would be able to weed them out. But at the same time, is he going to think to ask any of those questions? You know, like, Talos uh, you know basically on the comms knows to call Fury Nick because then he would suspect that something was wrong you know
1: or even if that was the other No, I think the other yeah the other guy did his imitated his voice yeah which again is like okay cool very interesting concept but then it's not followed through it's used for that specific thing to get him in the room and have him or have a reason to know that it was a trap but like if I I feel like if they had spent a little bit more time, and maybe this will come later, um, but kind of more diving into the relationship between Gravik and Nick and why Gravik has like some type of personal vendetta, you know, because of them not finding a planet and like, I'm going to do all this to your planet and I want you to stay alive to watch and suffer kind of a thing. Because without that, like if Rhodey is a scroll, then why didn't they just kill him there? Why didn't Gravik just kill him in the square when he shot um, Maria? like it doesn't make any sense for why he would just be allowed to live now um i have seen a couple different theories um and they're all like very you know i i would like some of them to be true but i have no confidence in any of them but if there is i've seen one that this idea that maybe uh nick is a scroll and he's been replaced And, like, either he doesn't know or he's playing some type of weird, like, Nick is actually still in space and he sent a scroll down to, like, impersonate him to see what's going on. Um, But I just feel like there's not there's just not a lot of explanation as to why a lot of the decisions are being made. It feels like we're working backwards for a lot of stuff like this has to happen. Okay. So for that to happen, this has to happen. And then for that to happen, this has to happen. And then when you're, when we're watching it front to back where it's like, okay, well then why is this in it? There's just a lot of parts that just don't really connect.
2: Right. And I think that were that theory to be accurate and this fury is actually a scroll masquerading as fury, you know, with, his blessing it's a cool reveal but then does it suit the story and everything that we've gotten already you know mm-hmm. and it's you know i i alluded to the uh m night shamalan school of storytelling and uh sometimes you know you put way too much weight on the surprise reveal without actually thinking about if it suits the story so i would uh i would like to think that this is art fury i mean because i mean he should come back to earth for something you know but uh i guess uh, i guess we'll see but uh yeah i think that uh i don't know i don't i personally think this really is nick fury but uh, there are a lot of other characters that uh, you know like Rhodey. i'm i'm not convinced and i still think that olivia coleman is a squirrel you know but uh playing the long game as it were you
1: know i know that they've said that like this the directors specifically didn't read the comic books and they're trying to make this it's its own thing but especially with them kind of mentioning the super scroll program a little bit and inferring that some of the scrolls like we saw graphic with the with the hand repairing which looked like extremist so like which is odd to me because i felt like extremist was like a nano technology and not a power but you know we'll just hand wave that away um, but with them introducing that as something that probably will happen and be a big deal in the future, um, you know, one of the other plot points in the comics outside of the super scroll stuff is this idea of these like sleeper cell units of these people who are scrolls and they're living this life, but they don't realize that they're scrolls until they get like the activation command or something. Um, so I think that would be a very cool plot device to inject into this but then also you'd be adding a whole bunch of like okay well then when did the switch happen and you know adding a whole bunch of questions that i'm not sure they want to answer um but right and then i guess that could go back to sort of you know
2: with the uh with the house they broke into, you know that this guy had been a scroll for a long time, possibly. So yeah, if you have people who are yeah, the if you have scrolls who are the sleeper cells and have been for quite some time, that could be a, a good reveal. But I don't know how much more, how many more layers they want to add to this story now that we're already at the halfway point. And yeah, you know this episode was uh, ten minutes shorter than the the two previous ones. That's the so, other thing
1: that felt weird too when I opened it up, I was like, oh, the last couple ones have been like an hour. And yeah. this is not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I And know. it felt like it, too. It felt fairly quick, which I mean, I guess is good pacing, but just in the scope of the other two episodes, it was just like noticeably shorter.
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. Uh, our pal Kame Egan, I expected this series to keep me on the edge of my seat, but I'm finding it more predictable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think other than the death of maria Hilder haven't really been surprises i mean it's minor surprise like oh, okay fury has a wife but they haven't really taken the time to make us care about her and to feel her betrayal but uh, uh and craig robinson from across the pond where breakfasts like taluses are an everyday occurrence uh there is a trend occurring with the marvel shows uh yeah i mean i, I think that uh You know, they're they're doing quite a few of these shows now, and uh, they're definitely less special as we go along. Uh, Daniel drew uh, with an interesting theory uh, invoking a a series that I mentioned earlier. This show should have been similar to Andor in focusing on Fury, realizing the invasion is happening. It should have been 12 episodes to emphasize the long game. Uh, I personally haven't seen anything that made me feel thus far that this story should be longer but I think if they did want to make it on more of a grand scale uh, you know, six episodes would have been a, you know, a nice canvas uh, in order to paint. But uh, I'm just not feeling that that's that they really warrant more to this story, but you know, ask me again in three weeks and uh, I I might uh, feel differently. But Daniel also uh, says they should have thrown a ton of budget at this show. Uh, It should have been an event series. Yeah. I think that uh, a lot of people are feeling that way and, uh, it's it, like you said right at the beginning of the show, Nate. It's interesting. It is definitely not bad, but it's also it's not great. You know, so I, 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 I at no point have I thought for even a second like I don't really care how this ends. Not just because I do the show; I'm interested enough to <laughs> see uh, where the uh, you know where the the short the story goes. Um, and I think that. Uh, Craig actually had a funny comment. Uh, I do did enjoy Fury counting in that hostage scene with his gun pointed at the guy. Just needed to say what again. Uh, so yes, uh, so some sometimes uh, you know uh, you, you can't put uh, all of uh, Sam Jackson's uh, previous work behind you. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a I don't know. It's a fun character. I do like. I think probably consistently through the three episodes. The interactions between Fury and Talos, the it's it's sort of like, excuse me, they're like the Lethal Weapon scenes, you know, where it's like, oh, it's just the two of them. They have been partners for so long; they know each other so well, and uh, it's basically, you know, like spouses bickering, you know. And uh, I I I, I'm enjoying pretty much uh, all of that, and uh, uh, I think that. Amelia Clark's character is still the the weak link. I just feel like she's not working, but uh, there's, we've got half a series uh, hmm. to, to see where that goes.
1: And it's uh, interesting to hear you say that because I feel like Nick Fury is the weak link in the show. I feel like he's the least interesting character of everybody that we see. And. As as cool as a nerdy Samuel L. Jackson fan as it is to see like that Samuel L. jackson has come out of that interrogation scene, like that is the opposite of what I want for a comic book movie with right. someone portraying a character like Nick Fury. Like be Nick Fury, be Nick Fury on the screen, not Samuel L. Jackson with an eye patch. Like I I love Sam, he does great stuff, but also I don't want to see him play himself in everything that he's in, especially not this. Um, and I, I want to say too, I think that twelve episode series, like knowing now that they they took this, this was supposed to be like a movie, and then they right. kind of expanded from it, it makes kind of sense. I feel how there's there's like a through line that kind of makes sense, but there's some stuff that's added that it feels like they just kind of padded out to make it fit six episodes. Um, but it, I feel like if they had done this, where you know, just go all in on the de aging tech, it actually looks pretty good. I think in the, in the last couple episodes with Nick, yeah. Give us, like, if they had done the Andor, you know, three or four sections, basically, where you have, like, three episodes of Nick working with the scrolls in the beginning, building his empire, right? And then three episodes a couple years later in the middle where they're finding some other event, and you notice that, like, Gravik starts to have, like, some issues, and we start to see this kind of rift in the community, and then skip a couple more years, and then get to where we are now... And, like, have that realization of Nick going, like, oh, shit, like, this is bigger. Like, I've been so distracted with my stuff that I haven't seen how large this problem has gotten. And then we get in this issue that we have now. Um, because it just doesn't... he Like, I, I said this before in the first time. Like, there has not been enough of Nick Fury doing spy Nick Fury stuff in the movies for him to have the, like, reputation that everyone has for him that they carry over from the comics of, like, oh, yeah, that's Nick Fury. Because then in the show... He does stuff that's like, you know, like there's no ex. Expo- like, you, like you said, of him leaving that meeting with Rhodey, secret secret security outside, all that stuff. No problem. He's like, all right, well, actually, you're not going to bring me and I'm just going to
2: leave somehow. I'm just, <laughs> just going to walk and sit down yeah. on a bench. Clearly, I'm tired, but and we then- don't know why.
1: We got what I thought was actually a really interesting and dark uh, interrogation scene with the the British intelligence lady, right? And then we get something yeah. similar in this episode, and Nick's just like, "Ah, I'm gonna shoot you! I'm gonna don't make <laughs> me shoot you! I'm gonna shoot you! Like, really? Like, cut some fingers off? Cut some toes off? What kind of espionage yeah. interrogation is this? Like, you're trying to stop this?" bomb that's gonna start world war three and you're like oh i guess we just gotta kill him and just we're all gonna die like come on man like this is nick fury this is the top of the spy head of shield secrets within secrets you know folders on everybody guy like it doesn't i'm not feel like i'm not getting any of that right and i think that uh
2: my feeling for fury more than anything else on the show and again it's a similar feeling with uh, Amelia clark the idea that we're going to have a reveal we're you know i feel like we're gonna get fury being fury but you're right what they've given us so far especially in the first episode he was absolutely the the weak link i feel like they are telling his story the most deliberately and i have faith that we're going to get it but I, you know, that faith is not always rewarded with, uh, well, with Marvel in particular, but uh, uh, Disney Plus in general, you know. So, uh, yeah, we could uh, we could definitely be uh, comparing very similar notes uh, after the uh, sixth episode. Uh, Daniel brings up another point. I uh, I still don't get how a planet hasn't been found in all this time, even with other stuff going on in space and such. Carol has been so many planets over the years. It's just a weak "quote unquote" explanation. I mean, especially during the the blip, I feel like you could have found a planet a lot easier at that point because there were less people around, less scrolls to find, and maybe that's what Talos was thinking. I'm like, well, half the people on Earth are gone, so uh, how many how many uh, squirrels do we have? Like a million? Great, let's let's just well, go ahead. They, and half
1: that, of them would have snapped too, right? So they right. Were well, that's true. Well, so
2: yeah, so that's true. we were at a million now, so it would have been five hundred thousand. Um, I feel
1: like the explanation is really simple. They're just not looking. Like, just like Talos said, which I have mixed feelings about, of this whole idea that Nick Fury only rose to the position that he did because he had this secret network of scrolls that were basically doing all the leg spy work for him. Like, conceptually, it's kind of cool within the series. It makes sense with like the timeline and stuff. But then, like, once again, like, so Nick's not really smart. He's not like a good spy. He just. Happen to form this relationship with these alien people who just like do all the spy work for him like that's that, that's kind of yeah like- I
2: mean I think that uh, we've seen relationships like this before where any kind of government is like oh yeah yeah we'll help you with that thing you want can you just work for us for a while and then you're like yeah but what about that thing oh yeah yeah we're totally still working yeah, on that we're getting yeah. There, yeah. Get you those uh, cool speaking of uh Supreme Procrastinators, uh making an appearance now oh. on the show. One, the only Count Eric Connor, uh, who the names don't show up actually on this show, but he is listed as Sam Owl Connor, uh, the the owl that has been dubbed Nicholas Fury uh henceforth. Uh, Eric, we've uh, been talking, I, I know while well, you've been shaping the minds of uh, future filmmakers who uh, perhaps might have bigger budgets and uh, better outlined stories to work with, <laughs> God, <I hope laughs> to, so. but, but most likely probably not. Um, but, you know, look, uh, the, to basically sum up big picture, both Nate and I feel the show is not bad. Uh, it's not great. I'm not excited where it's like, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, in the next episode it's more like oh boy i really hope they show me something in this episode that is is going to give me the indication that that's going to be the kind of story that we feel secret invasion should be uh what did you think of uh episode three and uh i'll start loading up all those pictures you sent to me but uh give us give us the big picture for the big photo finish of uh, what
0: you thought of this episode yeah yeah i've I've been a little more of a defender of this show, it feels like me, me and Michael Shirley forming an unlikely sort of uh, <laughs> alliance. Not unlike the 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 cre- the crees and the skull- scrolls, you know. Like we, we basically have lined up on this. But this third episode, uh, I don't know. I, I I had sent you a note about this Christian. Like it felt like a new person was at the helm because I feel yeah. like they literally changed like characters from episode two. So uh, two things that you're sort specifically of I, referring to Fury's wife, right? Well, that piece, which was like end of episode two was like, oh, hi, honey, I'm home. Put on your ring. Yes, dear. And uh, <laughs> let's get a little something something going on. And that felt like great. I like that. And then the next episode, it was almost like it was like I, I just A different script, like a different thing where all of a sudden she's like, where have you been for three years? I'm like, well, I'm reasonably certain. I can't speak for all our partners, but um, I I do believe the the fabulous Heather, uh, if if you opted to, I don't know, be in space for a few years and then came home, I, I, I think there'd be some explaining to do right up front. Because, well, I so mean, first
2: you... of all, first of all, she would say thank you for going. No, the, I mean, once she gets past <laughs> the joy. Yeah. Well, once <laughs> once she realized, like, oh, I, I want to, you know, I want to I want to go see Taylor Swift with my friends. But uh, there's uh, there's uh, no one to watch the kids Then it's like, can you come down from space? <laughs> uh, and I'm like oh my god the space Taylor Swift is uh, is so much uh, more talented than the one on earth uh, I'm watching it tonight too so. uh, but no I know what you mean It's a, there's a consistency I guess um, and by the way I was waiting for you to arrive uh, Michael Shirley is uh, absent today uh, because of the fact that yesterday was the 4th of July and I don't think it has anything to do with how he feels about America but it was definitely an excuse for him to uh, have a rager but <laughs> He did uh, issue this statement he's asked me to read because he says his parents uh, still uh, watch even when he's not here. Uh, So the 4th of July is just about a bunch of people who didn't want to pay taxes anymore. And look how that worked out. I'm just here for the party. Uh, so I'm glad that, uh, he'll be back to party with us, uh, next week for the remaining <laughs> three episodes of the show. Uh, and if I didn't read that, do you know how many, well, Eric, you know how many texts I would get for not reading that because, uh, sometimes you wake up with, uh, seven. It's not texts. the text.
0: It's, it's the pictures that get in there, Oh, get sure. Scary. Okay. That's fair. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But let's get, uh, let's get I've back. I've changed all that. the filters on my phone because of that fine gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them. Well, My kids can't even friend. reach me anymore. <laughs>
2: wow. Well, you know, that might be for different reasons. So yeah. what did you feel about, uh, you know, we the focus we've had as we talked about this episode is uh, Fury. Um, I am hopeful that we're going to get the Fury that we expect you know, maybe never actually warranting the reputation he has that uh, Nate pointed out that like he's they we've never been proven in any movie the Fury's in that like, oh, he's really this great spy the way everybody regards him the way he is in the comics. But I'm just hoping that by the sixth episode, I'll feel like we're getting the fury that we've gotten from the movies. Uh, how do you feel his character has been through these first
0: three episodes, Eric? A, a little bit of a ping pong ball, honestly, I, and a. And Nate, you brought up such a great point. It's like, yeah, so he, he basically had a cheat sheet, which is what made him a great spy for a couple, for 20 some odd years. It's like because he uh, he had the secret pass, you know, like that, that doesn't track at all. I mean, and, you know, again, there's the, the comic book, you know, Nick Fury, there's this version of Nick Fury. But the truth is like he always seemed like the smartest guy in the room, a bit unflappable you know, but the idea that, you know, f- I mean, think of those first few movies when he would show up just a little bit at the end. And yet he had such a presence over the whole thing. Like he was shaping them to form this group I and mean, even using Colson's death to his advantage, you know, like he's, he's a savvy guy and tough as nails. And so this idea, like without us, you're nothing doesn't quite make sense. So I, I it just, it, it it just feels like a hodgepodge. Again, he's so good as an actor, Ben Mendelssohn and Olivia Coleman. They're amazing, but just every scene there, it feels like a different writer has taken over without the sense of a showrunner who's connecting all the dots here. And that's the thing I I, I am surprised by because I've even the shows I wasn't as crazy into. At least it felt like came from some kind of singular vision. Mm-hmm. This show is a little bit like. I don't know if maybe the scrolls have taken over the writer's rooms or something. <laughs> it, it just, it doesn't quite well, track. That, that
2: poses a great question. Are the studios hiring scroll writers to replace the writers that are currently on strike? And if I hope not. they are, I don't think anybody would be surprised to hear that uh, that that's what's happening. You know, like, hey, how are we getting uh, all these uh, episodes here? So, uh, Eric, you shared some uh, images that uh, for our visual uh, listeners, uh, we will uh, or our visual audience we can show, but we'll describe it for our audio listeners. So you have the service record for one of the, uh, the military members that was impersonated. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, now I'm not quite sure why you isolated this is, is it because he looks like principal Strickland from back to the future or, uh, <laughs> not quite sure why,
0: why we have this gentleman here. Well, right. I, I thought he was, thank Jeffrey you. I'm rush. very proud of that. That's <laughs> oh, no, a good pull. The good pull brother. Um, I thought it was Jeffrey rush, uh, for, and I and lingered on the photo so long that I'm like, who is he? And, and, and I, I zoomed in. I could see more of the Strickland than the Jeffrey Rush now. I'll admit. Yeah,
2: now that now that it's <laughs> zoomed in, but although, it'd be uh, funny
0: if he now has hair. It, it's somebody
2: you know. You get, he got screen time because he's you know somebody's uncle. You know, most I, likely, I, I hope know, it's probably so. Probably one of those
0: things. But yeah. they lingered forever on this, and I'm just yeah, like, who is he? Am I supposed to know I, him? I bet I Christian guess knows that, who he is. I bet Nate knows, and I don't. And then I felt no, scared. no, no, no. I, uh, and then uh, then you have this moment. Oh, uh, connected Nate. to the next one.
2: Yes. So uh, it, is a, it is a quote of uh, Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction. A dog's got personality. Personality goes a long way, which is, of course the conversation with talos you know i was calling it uh, sort of a lethal weapon vibe but obviously it's a uh, jules and vince from pulp fiction uh they've sure. they've seen some shit together basically <laughs> uh and uh, that is a, a more apt uh, comparison uh but uh, uh yeah so uh oh I uh, I clicked on the uh, the image in the wrong way, but you have you had some more pictures, but we'll we'll get to those. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, but the other
0: yeah, that moment where they're talking about dogs, And yeah. and I think part of this too is, you know, those scenes don't always work when it's Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel Jackson. I think the one in the train, which you know, I like compared to Before Sunrise last week, like. It it, it was like, what are they talking about? Why did you miss a show, Nate? (laughs) (laughs) But they um, they they really have an interesting chemistry, though. I mean, that's something that I mean, I can't imagine both these characters are going to be showing up again together in a film. But there is a potential great enemy mine kind of like buddy comedy that could be made of the two of them that I would love. If anything, yeah. I wish they almost just did that as Secret Invasion, but they haven't yeah, quite I, I think made that, that choice.
2: I think I into I I was saying that I'm enjoying the scenes with the two of them, and it is probably because the it, you know the actors are great and they're given some slightly fun things to do. I don't know how much they work the 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 train scene in particular, but uh, I, you yeah <laughs> the driving in the car and like you know you'd still be at a desk if it wasn't for me. I thought that was uh, put some interesting context in there, and it does support Nate's belief of like. Yeah, how great of a spy really is Fury? Imagine if he never met any Skrulls. You know, Coulson probably would have been his boss. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so then uh, you had uh, some uh, an image of a, a car on a very dark street that uh, I'm just uh, I am I can't
0: wait for you to tell me what it was about <laughs> this that uh, you wanted to share. I, honestly, it gave me serious opening of Harry Potter vibes. Uh, OK, <laughs> it's a little so, hard to say. I apologize. The image is kind of dark, but th- that's all right. Money, and then he, here's Sam your new namesake. Owl. though the, the, the Sam Owl with the uh, eye patch on uh, which you're going to make one product from this for the holiday season. It better be that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine? You know, I'm, I'm going to try and find an owl like that. Just to, and just throw an eye patch on it.
1: No, I'm so waiting for the Lego uh, scroll dirty bomb uh place <laughs> it's
0: just it's like, like seven pieces it's, it's, yeah. it's like barely yeah. it's barely yeah, anything
2: it, but one of the seven pieces is a is a bloody uh colby smolders uh yeah Dead a, Hill. a smoldering smolders <laughs> as it were uh and uh you know nate referred to this as uh like a fight club moment uh when uh when talus is surrounded by uh by graphic lookalikes um but uh what was it about uh, this image that spoke to you mr
0: connor well two things one it felt it was matrix two very much Uh, a million agents mr
2: anderson yeah
0: yeah and then the second piece was i got more excited about the idea of the scrolls cafe where (laughs) all they do is hire scrolls only scrolls go there and no one else okay (laughs) <laughs> and, and then I got really I, I got a deep dive into that thinking of what what, what is their food choice and, and, and the idea, too, yeah. of like, how does he show they're all scrolls because they all turn into him yeah, as opposed to which is a little egocentric as opposed to they all just turn into scrolls.
2: I mean, it's a great point. They should just show their scroll form instead of uh, all showing, you know, also I mean, opens... I... good. Go that's all right. Just, it,
1: all right. It also opens the can of worms of like, scrolls can look like other scrolls. So like now anybody yeah, could yeah. be anybody. So it was already a line that was very blurry but now we know absolutely for certain like, all these people can turn to look just like Gravik. So it was like a cool cinematic moment but then on the larger implications of the story I'm like, I don't think you understand what kind of can of worms you just opened up. Because now every time we see Gravik, like is it Gravic or did he send someone else to be him? Like, is yeah. Gravic even real? Is Gravic a like a, a made up thing that they all just kind of like right. we are all you know, Spartacus it, it, kind of we, yeah, we it, all it,
0: Gravic? It, it's the idea that
1: that everyone
2: in Gotham City could be the Joker, you know, we're all yeah. a little bit the Joker, yeah. Um, uh, but do I
1: Gravic has like a season pass membership for the museum, <laughs> like, and they all like use one pass or do they all buy? <laughs> A large budget, you know.
0: Netflix is going to crack down on their on their uh, password Password sharing. sharing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, all the scrolls have only one account for everything. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, if uh, episode four ends seemingly with uh, you know the death of Gravic, uh, then uh, this scene, you know, planted the seed, and you know, having a whole week to go, like, nah, he's not really dead. But uh, I don't imagine they would do that but the yeah. thing with the hand oh yeah
0: so you guys might have an you might have already chatted about that but like oh the lights went out um I, I i guess now he's one of the super scrolls because he's able to do that right that's not a right. scroll thing yeah that's it
2: kind of, go ahead I, Sorry, I think i, it I spoke I, over I'm nate extreme. saying extremists oh. yeah
1: in episode two, I don't know if you guys talked about this last week, but there was the you know the whole super school thing, and then guy yeah. goes in the computer and sees like the specimens. There's four that are listed. It's extremists, uh, Groot, um, the guy, the big guy that was on Thanos' team that got oh, his yeah. hand chopped off in the ring. I forget his name, um, and then one of the like frost beasts from like Thor. So yeah. going extrapolating from that, he has like he's. Got the extremist powers to kind of because it had that same kind of glow to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, spoiler, but in one of the trailers, you see him do a Groot kind of like stretchy arm thing, which now makes sense. Know that knowing that that's one of the powers in their kind of database thing, right? Right, um, right. yeah, so yeah, I, I'm I'm assuming that's what it was, that's what would make the most sense.
0: Uh, and Cami yeah, Call Obsidian, yeah, Call Obsidian, yes, yeah. I, I, uh, I
2: was, uh, I just was coming up. Coming up, nothing. I was trying to remember that character's name and I'm like, oh yeah, what is it? And I just uh, did not have it. Well, we have uh, one more photo from Eric and uh, it features our friend Shooter McGavin, who, uh, as I've pointed out, in scenes that he's in, uh, he hasn't talked since the first episode. He was on the television but he's, uh, he's a, a fairly recognizable uh, under five extra in most of these, uh, this series. So clearly they've got big plans for Shooter McGavin. And I don't care what his character name is. He's Shooter McGavin. Uh, but uh, it, 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 did you want to uh, see if they were perhaps merchandising the mug in front of him that we see for our visual audience, Eric?
0: Well, this is now the second time I feel like they have sort of leaned into satirizing uh, InfoWars. They did it with J. Jonah and Jameson. And, <laughs> and, and if there was a version of InfoWars starring Shooter McGavin, but as Shooter McGavin, once again, not as the actor, not as. Right. But, but, but I got excited about this idea a lot, too. And, and, and I think that that moment, I, I actually kind of hope they maybe go a little more into this idea of disinformation. Uh, and, and spreading, you know, uh, was it, um, you know, fake news and whatnot. whatnot. Like, I think there's something kind of interesting there about, well, if it gets into one of my favorite sci-fi movies, which is They Live. And the idea of when you have people like that in power, what they can do to manipulate the whole world. Uh, and that's something they they kind of name checked a little bit. They haven't gone too deep there yet. This gave me a little hope, but it was real quick. I agree. This is an actor well above his pay grade, though. So the, he, something interesting has to happen with this guy, because otherwise you you go and you find the Atlanta version of him that's non-union. <laughs> you know, you don't need him um, but yeah, man,
2: a, we're we're really trying to help the studios
1: uh, uh,
2: <laughs> break, uh, the union busters. Yeah, you're really giving a lot of advice. Uh And I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Nate?
1: I I, um, I definitely got like Tucker Carlson vibes from yeah. this kind of uh, segment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing.
2: But it's interesting, him- yeah, especially the 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 food box, which that's you know right up there with <laughs> Alex Jones, Glenn Beck, and a number of other people uh, sell food boxes. But the interesting thing. When you invoked Infowars and uh, Alex Jones, I'm not that I've not done that much of a deep dive on Alex Jones. Just enough to occasionally do an impression on my podcast. One of the things I know he talks a lot about are the lizard people taking over. And I'm just going to say, what do scrolls look like? I, you know, look, I'm just saying. Yeah. So uh, there could be <laughs> there could be some uh, info coming out of the Shooter McGavin character uh, in in the weeks ahead. But uh, yeah, I guess. I guess we'll see how it all it all works out, but uh, the misinformation of the media obviously is uh, is a is a big part. And I know uh, Daniel Drew has spoken out about this before. Uh, Call Obsidian uh, was named Black Dwarf in the comics. They changed it uh, to be politically correct. I mean, that's certainly your opinion as to why they changed it. Uh, Call Obsidian was another name for the Black Order. I think changing it to a name that meant something else in the comics, that's where it gets confusing. You know uh, you never know when a creator, you know, I mean, who that would have been the Russo brothers. I assume maybe they're like, I don't like that name for the character. Let's come up with something else. But uh, I do know that that's something that uh, Daniel's uh, brought up before. And I do want to highlight a comment that the timing it had already passed, but Craig Robinson, when Eric was talking about the scroll cafe, where everybody knows your scrolls and uh, we could do the entire theme song from cheers, but I feel like we'd get a strike from YouTube. If we did it, I smell a
0: future Photoshop.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, That would actually be great. uh, If you would do that and uh, somehow uh, across the pond, uh, they know cheers uh, just as well. I I thought that uh, all that, uh, you know, it was just reruns of faulty towers. So I'm glad to see that, uh, that that cheers knows no borders. So as we wind down gentlemen, and we look ahead towards, we are at the midway point of the season. We've got uh, more to come uh, Nate in your most optimistic, most hopeful moment. What do you hope that we get these next three weeks for secret invasion?
1: Um, I just, I keep staring at this picture behind you of this, like half scroll, half, Human Nick Fury and I am I am feeling more and more confident about my theory that the Nick that we have seen so far is actually a scroll and is not Nick Fury. So I'm hoping next episode, right off the bat, real Nick Fury comes and he's like, "You're doing a terrible job of impersonating me. I'm going to take <laughs> over." And then like the whole tone of the show changes, and that's that's what I'm hoping happens. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like there has to be some type of I'm, if i'm assuming with the structure that four and five have to be the most like heavy plot you know moving stuff and then in the last episodes where we get kind of our resolution into you know tie-ins to the next movies or whatever um so i feel like the next episode's really like a make or break it kind of thing like so far it's been okay we've talked about this several times it's not bad it's not good but it's not bad um and if the next episode continues that, I I think it's the show's kind of kind of be dead in the water. Um, so hopefully yeah. they pick, there's some type of like, oh, okay, now things are starting to make more sense. There's a little more energy moving forward. I'm invested in the story. How they do that, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing more Gravic at the, at the least, and more Talos, to be honest too. His performance has been really fun.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And uh, Cammy Egan earlier in the chat had said, uh, interested in uh, how this is going to lead into both Armor Wars and Captain America Brave New World. I do hope, and sort of uh, Nate and I were talking about this earlier, that I do hope that this show doesn't just feel like set up for those future projects. I hope that there's a sense of like, all right, the secret invasion was foiled and going forward, perhaps we'll have more scroll storylines. But yeah, I don't want to feel like this was all just uh extra and for you uh eric what do you hope we get to see more of uh besides more of your photoshopping skills that uh, it looks like you're already getting started yes. on
0: <laughs> 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 we use the word skills too much in this world nowadays like the word I'll, I'll put
2: it as a virtual background behind me next he week if you do uh, say what
0: skill
1: level it was yeah, that, it. that, that is valid right yeah. novice yeah. is it's like skill. using
0: the word strength
2: Strength yeah, I'd right. also be limited I, strength. Right? I, I didn't say you were a black belt; just that you had a
0: belt. Yes. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> JC Penny. Uh, yeah, I I hope it course corrects from this third episode. I, again, it's never been bad. Like, I've never had a moment where I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I don't like the show. I don't like the scenes. Like, they're all fine, and some of them are good." But yeah. it, it feels like the center. Uh, three episodes into a six episode run. We at least know kind of, like, the center of it, even if there's still questions that haven't been answered yet. And that, and that part, I feel like, is kind of missing. And it, it it would be a real shame if they don't pay this off more, especially because you get that sense that maybe this might be Nick Fury's swan song. And if so, like, they they better write him a better tune because that, that light he had about, what are you going to do with uh, retirement? I was thinking revenge. I'm like, all right, there we go. And then he didn't really much revenge yet so yet. Maybe yeah maybe the last three episodes especially with his wife now having turned on him it seems that feels like all right like a totally unhinged nick fury would be kind of amazing uh, and we've seen him kind of be on the run in captain america winter soldier but him actually just kind of like at his wits end like that we haven't seen and that, that would be f- It'd be kind of fun to explore with him, seeing how dangerous he could be once he really is sort of like unleashed. And uh, so yeah. I hope we get more of that, more of the Sam L. Jackson we we all the wanting that we've only gotten taste of in MCU. But we know, you know, if if someone's gonna do vengeance upon thee, he's the guy you want. So more vengeance, <laughs> <laughs> more vengeance.
2: Less, uh, less diners. Uh, and uh, yeah. Daniel said, I had hoped the show would have gone through the phases showing us squirrels infiltrating and influencing some of the movie events. Somehow that would actually be a very cool sequence. Uh, and, you know, a- again, we talk about how budget conscious it is. I mean, you're just inserting like a, a shapeshift into existing footage. Uh, that would actually be pretty cool. Um, Daniel says that this can't be Fury Swan song because uh, this leads to him being, in the marvels uh being his normal self uh yeah i mean i i, I we can assume all sorts of things but uh, unless I he guess... dies
1: and gets replaced by a scroll
2: or nate's point we see him die in this and then that's when we find out in episode six like oh yeah this actually wasn't fury all along um yeah i'm hoping that it, that if we get more surprises over these next few weeks uh that they at least make sense You know, take the time to if if this is not really Fury, definitely take the time to uh, explain it to us and uh, make it make it seem cool. And uh, I assume, uh, Eric, you're of the same mindset that Nate and I were earlier in the show. That um, Amelia Clark's character, not dead, just one shot in the belly and then he drove off. So
0: didn't one shot in the belly kill um, Kobe Smulders? Well, she's not a squirrel, though. Oh, that's true. But still, belly shots seem to be pretty lethal in this world. All right. So they, well,
2: uh, we will.
0: Uh, I agree, well, though. Was... I, I, if that was it for her, man, her agents really gotta be <laughs> smarter. <laughs> <laughs> she needs new reps
1: tomorrow. Continually getting poor character endings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, what, what did Michael
0: call her last week? Um, she's nothing but a franchise girl. Yeah. Right? Well, she you know, she. I, I did. I did talk. Girl. I did talk
2: about. You know, the impact she's had on franchises like Star Wars being in solo and uh Terminator, I think that one was called Genesis, yeah, oh, where that was, rough. yeah, so you know, and boy, to you know, you can debate as to whether or not uh, a, a, any given Terminator film is the worst one, but that one's in the conversation. You can, you can, you want to make the case about the Christian Bale one, that's fine too, but uh, this isn't the show for that. I'm going to leave on this bomb dropped by William Walton, who brought a dirty bomb to the show. What do you think about the rumors that the upcoming Deadpool film will feature appearances from the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Daredevil from the Fox films? Uh, It sounds like a rumor, and uh, I think that perhaps you could see some of those actors occasionally, but no one would assemble. I mean, especially you're talking about Ben Affleck as Daredevil. Uh, I don't think that's something that... uh, I, I think... I I could I I could live a long multi-scroll life and we will never see Ben Affleck as Daredevil again. Probably not going to see him as Batman again either. But uh, again, <laughs> a story for another show. If there um, is
1: one movie that would do that for laughs, it would be Deadpool. Because they also referenced Deadpool in the X-Men movies before. Yeah. So well, I could see it, that being one of the a great very jokes. tiny, tiny bit of like, oh, you're not. The right Matt or something like that. Right. I mean, well, in Deadpool
2: 2, he, you know, goes and kills Ryan Reynolds to make sure he doesn't star in the Green Lantern. So yes, anything is possible. I just uh I just don't think we're going to get a grand assemblage. But cameos from a couple of different actors, you know. Uh, you know, I, to get Chris Evans as Johnny Storm in a cameo would be very
0: funny to me, you know, and maybe well, and- maybe Chris Evans would think it would be funny, you know. Oh, I, I think he would laugh, his as, as our friend Stunner and John says, he would laugh his ass off at that. Um, <laughs> we laughed our asses off. We yeah, laughed our ass off. But in Deadpool, maybe the greatest joke they had was when they go to uh, Xavier school and you see, like, off to the side, like, it's, it's Professor X and all the, like, A-team X-Men closing the door quickly before he notices them. Right. And I feel like that's in some ways secret invasion too. Right. It's like, you, you keep looking around, like, is Miss Marvel going to show Captain Marvel is someone going to show up, but you just feel like they're right off camera like, Oh yeah. And then like fly away. Yeah. So they yeah. Don't have to no,
2: exactly. Story. Like fury puts down his phone, you know, as he's putting it down, it's like, all right, thanks for the help. Uh, captain Danvers. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like the, the, uh, the the ca- the cameo of Kim Cattrall on the uh, Sex and the City show where she's just going to be on the phone, not actually in a scene with any of the characters. So it's a uh, the uh, threes Company treatment that Suzanne Summers got. You know, it's like you're or, not in the scenes, watching- but you can be on the phone. So it's or, like, or watching
0: yeah. her scene from Porky's. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> Well, I don't know where else we can leave this show. at. A boy can uh, dream. If, if we, when we get to Kim Cattrall and Porkies, you've won uh, up my uh, Principal Strickland reference. So uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, it's, we should finally be back at our regular time, just in time <laughs> to only do three more shows. We're like the
0: no, we we shift our time just like the squirrels. It makes perfect right. sense. It's, it's
2: in- the the time space continuum. But we should be uh, right back uh, Wednesday at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern. But until then, Nate, where can people find you?
1: Uh, everywhere uh, dog like Nate two G's uh, come chat with me on Twitter that's about it not that it works and anymore but that's all
2: yeah well when it does work <laughs> you can reach him there and uh, Eric when Twitter's
0: working where can people find you you can find me at count Eric Connor with two N's at the end C-O-N-N-E-R and I'm over on Instagram as well and uh,
2: you can find me Twitter Instagram at Christian DMZ and of course, uh, oh yes. Well, he's not here, but Michael X Shirley on uh, Twitter, uh, tell, ask him, well, if you want the answer, ask him what he did <laughs> to celebrate 4th of July. I, I, oh. I'm not going to ask. I, I saw enough on his Instagram stories that I don't, uh, I don't need to know more. Uh, and that's just what's <laughs> public anyway, but you can find Michael will be back with us uh, next week. Allegedly. And uh, again, I'm Twitter and Instagram, Christian DMZ. Uh, Subscribe to my personal podcast, The Black Cast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. And uh, you'll find uh, some of the uh, upcoming, or sorry, some of the recent uh, movie specials we've done, including uh, Spider-Verse and The Flash. And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, early next week. So find us over there at The Black Cast. And of course... Make sure you subscribe here at Geekscape. There are plenty of great shows, uh, including Geekscape Book Club, where in July we will be uh, tackling secret invasion in book form. But that's all the time we have for now. As the great Stan Lee would say, Excelsior! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.